This is Andrea Chase at the 30th Annual San Francisco International Asian American Film Festival, and I'm talking with director Richard Wong about Yes, We're Open, a tale of love, modernity, and the meaning of the term douchebag that, as we speak, is mere hours away from its world premiere. The story follows Luke and Sylvia, a sophisticated San Francisco couple coming up on their three-year anniversary, the time when couples have become comfortable living together and are on the verge of the next relationship milestone. That would be trust. It's an issue fraught with danger when they meet Elena and Ronald, who have an open relationship and want to, as it were, share their philosophy with Luke and Sylvia. They're not sure how they feel about it, and they're really not sure what to tell each other about how they feel about it. Along the way, fidelity is tested, bad wedding toasts are given, and laughter as a response has deliciously ambiguous meanings. The film stars Lin Chen, Perry Shen, Sheetal Sheth, Carrie McCron, Go Nakamura as the wedding singer, and screenwriter H.P. Mendoza as Brett, a straight man who is gay-identified much to his chagrin. Wong's previous work includes collaborating with Mendoza on the irresistible and passionate Colma the Musical, as well as being Wayne Wang's go-to cinematographer on The Princess of Nebraska and Snowflower and the Secret Fan. And, and just as an aside, getting started with H.P. Mendoza, your collaborator, who, whose idea was it to dress him up as a nerd? <laughs> his. His, those really? Those are his ties. He owns those ties. No. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. 8-bit ties. It's the wave of the future. Is it really? Oh, okay. I think it is. I hope it is. But, I mean, you know, him and I have this real kind of great 8-bit aesthetic as part of our friendship. And when he showed me those ties, it can't not go in the movie. It's impossible. They have to go in the movie. They're so visual. And really, the shorthand, when you see someone wearing that tie. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's visual language. I also want to start with a personal thank you for the moment when Luke explains to somebody that just because he's working from home doesn't mean he doesn't have a <laughs> deadline. Right. How do you, in your personal life, get people to, as it were, get that? In my personal life, I don't get people to get that. Um, I just accept that they won't get that and move on. You know, your good friends will get it. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you delineate the real friends. Let's get to this film. Many issues to discuss with this film. But as it's noon, let's start with food as metaphor and seduction because it, it plays an integral part in this film. Kimchi quesadillas, eggs poached in pork blood. Of course, you know, H.P. wrote the script and he's, you know, we're both steeped in, I guess, San Francisco, really. And, um, you know, um, it's kind of like as, as Manhattan is about kind of New York pretension. This, this yeah. movie's about San Francisco pretension. And, you know, I mean, these characters are pretentious. So we try to show that in, in several different ways. And food's one of them. It's amazing what you can get people to eat if you tell them it's, oh, this is just very, it's Nouvelle Cuisine. It's sophisticated. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, artisan crafted or something. Right. And our characters are really, they're very much about what's cool and popular. And, you know, right now food is. Getting to a more salient issue. You, you've made a perfectly delightful comedy about a very serious issue. And that's a very tough trick to pull off. Talk about taking that approach without trivializing the issues, even one whit. Well, it's certainly not trivial to, to me or HP. You know, obviously, obviously uh, movies like this have to come from pretty seriously personal places. But I do think it's important to, to have comedy contrast the, the drama. It's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it makes the drama better, right? Yeah. Makes the comedy better, too. So, um, you know, I think HP's brilliant at being able to, uh, to combine those things. And I think that, um, you know, it's something that we're interested in doing all the time. So I feel like this is kind of our take on the romantic, romantic comedy. Cause I've been, romantic comedies have kind of become, nothing against these movies, but they're, they've become like, you know, the Jennifer Aniston movie that is like that. Whereas I feel like romantic comedy's origins were from like early 70s Woody Allen and that kind of thing that had Annie things Hall. to say. Yeah, Annie Hall had things to say, really interesting topics, but also funny and about really serious issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was, I think that was kind of our, 
our approach. Certainly, it was what I was interested in doing. I mean, I always like to I always like to mash up a little bit. It's never it's not fun to only do comedy or only do drama for me. It's kind of fun to switch. And also, I think the comedy in this movie is mashed up. There's all the kinds of, a lot of different kind of styles, and that's. I think it's something I've always been interested in. I think Colma and Option 3 were very mashup-y in a way. And this, so I think it's kind of a natural aesthetic for me. Colma had some very serious overtones to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the whole father-son relationship there. Definitely. I don't know how you could have gotten it across as effectively without turning people off. And the same with this film. If you give people that little edge of comedy, it's like, oh, okay, I guess we can think about this in a different way. I also love the way that this couple is so honest with each other, and yet not quite. Yeah. They, they can actually talk about the sex being stale and not have that be um, a deal breaker for them. It's, it's, it's wonderful to see a couple that comfortable with each other on screen and not cutesy. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think casting Lynn and Perry was a big part of how this movie worked out because they're they're good friends they have a bit of a history together well not that not that kind of okay history. they're both married but they but they know they've known each other for a while and they're comfortable with each other mm-hmm. and you know it's really important that I mean obviously this whole movie centers around this couple they have to feel like a real couple no matter what so I mean and we put this movie together extraordinarily fast so you know when it came down to the casting these two couples or especially Luke, Luke and Sylvia it was really important that these people could could portray it in a very real way and understood what we're you know understood what the script was talking about because I, I don't think this script necessarily is for everybody I think some actors probably wouldn't be able to take this challenge yeah they wouldn't just go for the surface for the obvious yeah, right. which would be a huge disservice to everybody involved totally talk a little about this fast schedule and a low budget is there something you would have done if you'd had more time and more money you know, honestly, I mean, um, this movie was, was set up because I had just finished working on Snowflower and a Secret Fan. I was on that movie for a whole year, right? So we finished it, and, we, and at the very end of that, I was going to go on to another movie right away. But that movie ended up pushing two months, basically. So I was, next thing you know, I was like, oh, I have two months. HP had written this script for me like back in 2009, and um, it's something I always wanted to do. I, like, I loved it immediately. I mean, him and I, him and I basically had a conversation in my living room one day. I was like, I really want to do a a movie about sex, right? <laughs> you know? And he was like, I got a great idea. And I was like, cool. And he's like, do you want to direct it? I was like, yes. So he wrote it. Um, I remember reading it that December and like, we got to do I got to do this. And so, actually, when I first read it, I was like, well, I should send this to my agents, send it to a bunch of producers I know. So I actually spent a year trying to get it done in a much bigger way. And then it didn't work out. <laughs> nobody, and nobody wanted to make it. But then, and then I went off to do Snowflower and everything. So, but, so when I came back and I had these two months off suddenly, I had sent it to Teresa Navarro like maybe um, like a year prior. Just to, you know, just to see what you thought, and she had, you know, contacted me. She was interested in acting and stuff. So I was like, oh, "How about this script?" And she loved the script. Yeah. So when I had these two months off, she's like, "Hey, let's just make this movie." It's kind of in the same spirit of the way Colma was. Colma was the same way. It's like, "Let's yeah. just make this movie." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, let's!" Right. So yeah. I took some money that I made on Snowflower, and um, you know, we had these two months. And you know, honestly, these two months, making it in these two months, which was essentially twenty, like twenty x twenty one or twenty two days of pre production, and then sixteen days of shooting, it made it happen. Like, you know, before that, I had, like, three years to make it, and then I didn't make it. It's like, I, I like this idea of, like, this, not pressure, but, um, like, a drive, you know? The adrenaline pumping. Yeah. I, I'm firmly convinced it does something to the way the synapses fire no, with totally. each other. And when yeah. something has to happen, it happens. And on top of that, I think the script was so good. I mean, I love the script. When I think the script was so good that we were able to land our actors immediately. I mean, I, I remember sending it to Lynn, and, like, I swear, like, an hour and a half later, she was like, I'm in! You know? I mean, you know, honestly, that doesn't happen that often. I mean... Smart woman. Yeah. Not getting the funding from other sources and sending it around, was it the content, or, or was it, did you want to cast Asian-American actors and that was an issue? 
Well, you know, if you read the script, it's not Asian American. No, it, it's not. I, at you all. really can plug yeah. in anybody you want. So, um, and it was, I think, specifically written that way. In a way, I mean, I certainly, when we had initially started the writing process, I had given them four people that we know, just like think of these four people, right? But um, in the script, in the terms of script, there was just no, there was no ethnicity. So, why it didn't get made, I, I kind of don't know. <laughs> like, um, it's it, you know, Hollywood's a weird place. Um, you, Lord knows why anything happens. It had a lot to do with trends, I think, and maybe yeah, that was just yeah. a downtrend at the time. But I don't want to say it was because it was Asian characters, because the script wasn't necessarily Asian characters. But, but think of it had gotten made with Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The ending would have been different. <laughs> Seriously, you know that's what Hollywood does to it. It just neuters everything. Oh, and you, a lot of these discussions that they have would not have happened. Well, there been there would have been a meeting. And they would have thought about the most vanilla thing to do, and that's part of self-funding. I, I don't, I don't mind self-funding largely because I get to have control and I get to have fun. And you know, honestly, I mean, I should, probably shouldn't say this, but I, don't, I really don't make these movies make money, and I don't think HP makes his movies make money either. We, we just do these things because it's purely independent art, you know. And there's got to be a place in this world for independent art. There's got to be. be. <laughs> you can't have purely corporatized art. This is a film about sex, and we're all very modern and sophisticated here, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about using sex scenes and directing sex scenes that are about more about the character's mental state than about what they're actually doing. Yeah. Because this film is amazing for the way it does that. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Sex scenes are hard. <laughs> so, like, that's really, I would say the sex scenes are hard and, and I had this like, I had this like brilliant idea that we're going to open up the shoot with the sex scene. So we like, well, we, well, honestly, we had scheduled the whole shoot in order. Like, not too many movies shoot in order, but luckily San Francisco is so tiny that we could shoot the whole movie pretty much in order, and it helps the actors, and it's something I learned from Wayne Wang. Wayne Wang always shoots in order, too, so it really helps. And it also helps you kind of uh, navigate changes, because everything, it's always, things always change. So we end up going so fast on our first day that the sex scene ended up pushing forward, because it was scheduled for the second day. So we ended up shooting the first day. And, you know, uh, I think the actors, uh, this is where I think casting huge, I mean, the actors get it, you know? And I think they knew what those sex scenes were about. They knew what the script was about. So we, so I think we all kind of had a good synthesis on that. And you know, it's, it's one of the things where we just, when you know what this is all about, yeah. everyone just does a job. And we only, we only have 16 days to do this. So everyone came in super prepared. So it actually made, it made the flow a lot easier. And we honestly got through the sex scenes pretty fast and without too much damage to, <laughs> to anyone. No pulled muscles. No. The hardest sex scene was in the basement. But that had more to do with, um, it was like 120 degrees in there. It was extremely cramped. They're in extremely awkward positions, if that's enticing. <laughs> oh, hopefully it is. But, you know, I think everyone, everyone, everyone understood their character, so we were all we were pretty smooth. I have a nitpicky question, and it's about that, that, that scene, actually, or just after it, after the passion. There yeah. is this beautiful scene of a, a wine bottle falling oh, to the yeah. ground and smashing. And my question is, artistically and aesthetically, choosing the right bottle, the right color wine, and the film speed you choose <laughs> to film that shatter. Yeah. That was, in my mind, I mean, the movie has this, the movie's trying to place context of modernity with the use of this old film, a pre-code film. Because, um, you know, in pre-code films, they were making films about all kinds of trashy stuff, which Amazing is great. Amazing what they got away yeah. with then, yeah. And then, you know, Hayes Thank Code. you, Mr. Hayes. Yeah, great, great. So, um, but this idea that they're being so modern, I mean, this is the oldest topic in the world, in history, right? So, which is kind of, you know, I think funny. So to try to give it some context, we have this old film. The, the, the wine bottle thing I thought would be fun because it kind of 
kind of harks back to like a, the grand cinema tradition, you know. <laughs> and you know, the slow motion, the slow motion I just thought would be, you know, kind of over the top, which in a, in a fun way. So um, you know, and make that moment huge because you know it's, it's a huge cinematic moment because yeah. so much of this movie is kind of about cinema in a way too. And, and speaking of the film within a film, and this is just humor me about my obsession with sound. Sure. On this, because. Um, the dialogue, the way you recorded it, with that that sweet little crackle to oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. How did you get that? Because it was, like, dead on. Oh, uh, no. HP actually has this old 16-millimeter, was it a film? Or he's got some kind of 16-millimeter clip, and there's a, there was a bunch of blank spaces. So he took all those blank spaces and created a long file of, like, bad sound poppiness, like optical stripe sound. And um, he gave me that file, and we put it, we laid it over the entire old movie. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me, because yeah. it was like, they got that right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we care about those details, we really do. And you know, and it shows in the film, it really does. Although this is not a musical, yes. uh, HP has contributed music oh, yeah. to it. And the, the theme song from this film, All <laughs> Our Friends Are Getting Married, will this be available on iTunes? I think it's going to be available for free. I think you know it, 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 HP. It's HP and his his band, Digital Crafts Night. And I think their I think I think their their idea is that all of their songs will all be available for free. And their music's great. It, it is. Just goes, the, it's the music in the movie is so so good. And who knew that that Lynn and Perry could sing that well? I know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Lynn yeah. loves to sing. She yeah. was so excited about this. <laughs> I also want to talk a little bit, because it was filmed in San Francisco, and, it, and we were talking a little before, you, you avoided the usual cliche spots. You we filmed to, at yeah. uh, <laughs> the Roxy Theater, which mm -hmm. is an amazing independent theater here, uh, Green Apple Books. Uh, talk a little about getting the community involved and getting all those places to uh, let you in with your cameras. Oh, they were really cool about it, both of them. Teresa Navarro, who's our producer, and she's friends. She's friends pretty much everywhere because we're such we're such Bay Area folks, you know. And yeah. I think being Bay Area folks, we almost have this obligation to show Bay Area things because the world doesn't know the Bay Area like we know the Bay Area. So we do really go out of our way. I think on Fruit Flight we also did go way out of our way to not show, you know, Golden Gate Bridge and. Fisherman's Wharf, because the truth is we don't go there. <laughs> like Really? I Seriously? I've yeah. never even ridden a cable car my whole life, and I was born here. You know? <laughs> Wait, okay. I can understand never having gone to Alcatraz, because I haven't. But right. how do you avoid a cable car? You just don't. Who needs to ride a cable car? There's buses. <laughs> That's true. Okay. <laughs> you know, those cable cars are so dangerous, and it's cold, and you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And they're true. really expensive. Aren't they more expensive than oh, a bus? Oh, yeah. And yeah. you can't use a transfer. You can't, what? See? Well, anyway, so so who? The, anyone who lives in San Francisco will be like, well, I'm not going to go on a cable car, you know, unless, it, I guess, unless it goes straight. But also, like, I don't go even go downtown that often. So it was important for us to try to keep these um, neighborhoods. And for me, kind of specifically, Richmond District, you know, yeah. there's actually, an, yeah. in the, the, the movie opens with a montage with all these couples, and there's a shot that's like a specific homage to dim sum, Wayne Wang's film dim sum. It's like the exact same shot as his shot, because I remember growing up, seen dim sum for the first time i don't know how old it was i was like you know 10 or something like that and i was like wow first of all asian people on screen which literally one of the first times i actually realized like, like i remember seeing mahjong like i play mahjong like wow like it, it really opened up my mind to the, even the idea of asians in the media and on top of that richmond district i live in the richmond district you never see this yeah. in film. So yeah. It's great to see like our neighborhoods in a movie and finally any plans to actually open a restaurant named Tornios? <laughs> We need a restaurant named Torneos in the Bay Area. Can I just say, and Boy, in San Francisco, wouldn't that be, that would be amazing to do that? It'd be amazing. I'd love to register the name. 
<laughs> you haven't? Well, we'd register the name and we'd have to put the right accent so people knew how to pronounce it. Exactly, yeah. It, it would be Horneos, not yes. Ornios. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, that's, yeah, that's pretentious. And, and just the way HP says it. <laughs> yeah. That's another, that's just, when, I read, when I read that scene, I really couldn't imagine anyone else doing that scene besides HP. That's yeah. so, when HP and I are together, that's basically how we are all the time. So he didn't write that part for himself. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know if he specifically wrote it for himself, but it's so his humor, and I mean, he may have just kind of subconsciously done it, and he did specifically ask to play that role. So, yes then, maybe yes. Maybe yes, maybe no. It's the mystery of filmmaking and the mystery that is H.P. Mendoza. It, he is a mystery, isn't he? <laughs> Richard Wong, thank you so much for talking thank with you. us. Thank you. Thanks. The film is Yes, We're Open, and I'm Andrea Chase, and I have